0: You remember your stories with a kind of detail no one else has. Don't take them with you when you go. Share them. I'm Christy Bridges from One Moment Wiser. Click follow to hear true stories worth remembering and send me a message if you have a story you'd like to tell. Hello, welcome to One Moment Wiser. This is Christy Bridges and I teach Christians to become authors because God is speaks to people through our unique voices and today I have author Sarah Soon with us and she is she is someone I love to work with if I had to think of a favorite collaborator it would be Sarah we've done a novel writing retreat and series of workshops called it's about time together and we've actually worked together on the where we belong Family Stories series. And Sarah in 2019 helped put together this book, Option Ocean, Navigating the Sea of Possibilities. Sarah has actually got two chapters in here. She also edited the book for me because you always want that extra set of eyes. Sarah has just been a fantastic friend and a really good business partner, creative partner. Thank you so much, Sarah.
1: Thank you for
0: having me, Christy. I'm glad you're here today. So you have been doing your own videos on Facebook and other social media, and you have, this is kind of new for you, because you've previously been behind the scenes, ghostwriting for people and doing, you know, other people's blogs and things like that, and you're stepping out now. Yes. What's that like for you?
1: Um, it's good. Um, it was good timing because I've learned to really put myself out there and be comfortable doing that because I always love to do things behind the scenes. I used to be an assistant to a pastor and I love supporting her. So, um, it's just something that, you know, God gives you the grace to do it. So it's been fun to share my stories and, you know, just get the, the art out there. Mm hmm.
0: You know, God equips the called, right? He doesn't call the equipped.
1: (laughs) Thank God. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: You never even meant to be an author, Uh, but that's a story that I'm sure we'll get to. Let's go back a little further, though. Okay. You have a very unique story that I don't think a lot of people have heard, because when we get to know you, we get to know how you know, you're know you always about helping other people get their creativity out there. So let's get to know you a little bit. Would you share your story with us?
1: Uh, yeah, so I'm one of those people that don't remember anything from five years old and younger. Oh. And the reason being is um, my sister and I, biological sister and I were adopted from South Korea. So I'm not exactly sure the time frame of when we got dropped off at an orphanage. So I think our parents or, one or someone died. Oh. and Well, the woman who we don't know who she is in relation to myself and my sister took us on a train and dropped us off at an orphanage in Seoul, Korea. And then I don't know. Again, I have a few pictures and progress reports of how I did. You know, my mother gave them to me. But I don't have any memories and then my sister and I uh, were adopted by a family up in northern Michigan and they wanted two sisters around our age so we got shipped up there
0: wow and that was I imagine your first experience with any kind of travel and all of a sudden you're going from Korea to a whole other place where it's cold and people speak another language and you're living with this other family. What are your first memories of of being there?
1: Um, That's a great question. <laughs> I think I barely remember. So um, we had, I guess it was like a 24 hour plane ride. Whew. And yeah, so I was five and my sister was three and she, you know, being the older sister, I was watching her. So my mom said I didn't sleep the whole 24 hour flight. I just stayed, probably was watching her making sure she's behaving. And then we got into Detroit, we flew into Detroit and then my grandma lived a few hours from the airport. And so we went and visited her and I kind of remember falling asleep on the couch. And that was about it. And then the only other memories is like months from then when I was going to school or playing with my neighbor across the street.
0: Grandma's houses are just safe places, aren't they? That's just a place where it's so easy to feel relaxed enough to rest.
1: Absolutely. And what's amazing is they told my mom, you know, the probably the adoption agency said, you know, she's used to sleeping on the floor. She's used to eating with chopsticks or her hands. And so she may not sleep on the bed. She may not use your utensils for a while. And my mom just said, no, I just have faith that this is, you know, God put them in our family. So I think they will. And we slept in the bed that first night and we used utensils right away. So
0: Hey, (laughs) I'm sorry, but that's pretty impressive. If you had
1: a three-year-old who used utensils right away. (laughs) She's a very determined person and she's a very like, you know, those people that are natural overcomers that take a Mm. challenge on and can do it. That's her. (laughs) (laughs) That's neat. Well, she
0: had a good big sister example too.
1: Yeah. What was it like starting
0: school? Did you know the language?
1: Well, I got adopted, I think it was like January. Mm-hmm. And I started school in September because in Michigan, they don't start till September. And so because I had, my parents had four biological children that were older. Oh. And the youngest was eight, their oldest was 15. So I was around them 24-7. And then my mom had us watch like PBS all day long, like, you know, Electric Company, Mr. Rogers, Sesame Street. So my first English word was actually Spider-Man. Okay, that's uh, great. Yeah, because they had a Spider-Man cartoon, I think, on Electric Company. Yes, I loved that. I did too. So I remember we went to the grocery store, and there was Spider-Man vitamins, and I was like, (laughs) Spider-Man. My mom was like, Oh my gosh! So (laughs) I learned English pretty quickly. So by the time I went to school in September, I had, you know, I mean, how much is a kindergarten, I mean, a kindergarten knows a lot, but you don't have to be like, you know.
0: Right, you're not reading on an eighth grade level at that point. No.
1: Yeah. so by the time I was in kindergarten, I was ready. And my, I think my mom had, you know, me get acquainted with, there was a doctor in town from South Korea and she had a daughter in my grade. So, oh. you know, like when I went to the dentist, she went and interpreted for me for to the dentist, so I would know what's going on. Okay.
0: One Moment Wiser we will be right back. Were there other kids in your class or in your school growing up that were also adopted? I know where I grew up in Pensacola, our church had adopted a whole lot of people um, in the like 70s and early 80s. A lot of the kids um, were adopted over to the U.S. Where, where I was. And so it was common to see kids from all races at school. But what about where you were in Michigan? Were there any other children that that looked like you?
1: Um, There were a few Asian families, not a whole lot. Like in my class, mm-hmm. there was two, three of us. And the one, again, she, her parents were doctors. So she, you know, they were, she was an adopted. I'm trying to think there was also a young man, I think from South Korea, but he, I think he was raised in the United, born and raised in the United States. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember if he was adopted. I do remember I had eventually, in a few years later, we had a, a Vietnamese boy who yeah. was adopted. And actually, he was fostered. And we became really all good friends with him. And later on, actually, my parents tried to foster a Vietnamese boy who was, like, 15. But by that time, he was, like, had gone through so much. It was really, he wasn't, he was fighting my brothers a lot.
0: Yeah. And that's hard when you're, when you're foster parents, you want to treat your own children well, you know, raise your own healthy children while trying to help someone else. And that that can be a tough, tough thing from what I hear.
1: Yeah, it was. So,
0: so at what point did you, um, or did you ever kind of feel what a lot of adopted children feel where like an I don't belong feeling, or an I was unwanted, or something like that. Did you ever struggle with that?
1: Um, yes and no. I didn't as much with my family because. They just did a great job of integrating my sister and I. You know, they the the my siblings wanted to have a younger two younger sisters, so you know they were always not always because we got in fights, but well, yeah, they treated us like their siblings, so that was a natural transition. And my parents were the same way too, very supportive, very kind. So as far as like the home life, it was more like going to school because, like I said, in Northern Michigan, it's a predominantly Catholic Polish community. So Ah. there wasn't a whole lot of minorities. We didn't have an African-American until I was like in eighth grade. And we Uh. embraced him in our community. But at the time, you know, it's just predominantly Polish white people. So that was hard because a lot of kids Some kids were just at a young age, just call out your facial differences, you know, and other kids just tease you for being looking different in Asian. So that was probably, you know, throughout, especially in elementary school, a little bit of middle school, and then kids tend to kind of have deeper understanding of cultural and racial differences. It was better. But yeah, there was incidents, especially with, for some reason, boys, boys just, like to tease me a lot so um, i really grew up thinking oh i don't i honestly thought like i would never marry a white boy even though i had two brothers, <laughs> just because the white boys always tease me so i just thought uh, they weren't they didn't like me or they weren't attracted to me then i end up now marrying like he's irish you know just de- his descent so <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's fantastic your <laughs> husband is definitely was worth the wait you guys are so perfect together you know it's funny um (laughs) when you grow up at least in the south you grow up with boys teasing you my mom always taught me that if they tease you they must like you (laughs) but we don't always clue into that you know right oh they're so awkward sometimes so when I met you a few years ago I um it's funny I had Seen some advertisement online for this ring and I had ordered a few of them because I Don't know. It just said so much to me and it said you are enough mm-hmm. And when I met you my heart was oh, I want to give this to you, right? And I didn't realize how God had, had been trying to tell you that until you opened up so you you came over, you don't even remember the time before that, and you had a healthy upbringing with people you still love and, you know, help and, and you have this great family dynamic with, um, but you still struggled with what sometimes people who are adopted think it's just them who feel this way. And actually, I think we all go through it somewhere. You struggled with this feeling of not being enough. What What did God do to, where did that start, if you can identify right. that? And what did God do to bring you to a place where you knew what your identity was and you knew that you are enough?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because they call that an orphan spirit. You know, when you don't feel like you're enough and you try to use, you know, performance or other, you know, things outside of your identity to get identity. And I was literally an orphan, so
0: (laughs) that just compounds it, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there was, I'm sure. You know, it's hard because um, I think more through prayer and kind of the Lord showing me. um, Sometimes I see little things and that God can show me. Um, I think there was just maybe some pain and rejection from my. Life before I was adopted, you know, yeah. so there probably was some things that happened that weren't so great, and then just losing whoever I lost, and then being, you know, in an orphanage, not fully understanding why we're there, what happened, and then all of a sudden we get sent to a whole different country, you know. I think our I've heard, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist or counselor, but there's like there's trauma and trauma being one of them happens like your body just puts it in the back burner so that way you can push forward. And I know for me, that's like something that I think that's become automatic. Like if I think of something that could happen, that's bad. I automatically just, instead of grieving or thinking about, Oh my gosh, that would be tragic. I think, okay, how could I recover? So I, you know, throughout my life, However, however I had the message that you're not enough, I mean, just being an orphanage, being adopted, you know, could give you that message. And who knows what my upbringing was, you know, before I was even sent to the orphanage. So I think there was some issues there that you carry on and you don't understand until you become adult and then you start wanting inner healing because you're like, there's some issues that are not so great that I'm, you know, dealing with. So yeah.
0: Especially as the big sister. Um, In a situation like that, I can see how as the big sister, you, you feel responsible to protect and you're not always capable. You're five years old, right? How do you protect? And, you know, having to start over that can, I could see how that would affect us because we, we always think we're grown, no matter how old we are. We always think we're grown, and so in our minds, we we register these, you know, responsibilities and these ideas that as a grown up we have to go. Wait a minute, where is this coming from? Oh, here's the the faulty trigger, you know, that that faulty idea. And as an adult, um, you are very accomplished, but. <laughs> you've kind of come to the point where where you had to i think choose that your accomplishments aren't what create your identity and you actually minister to others to help them know that themselves you know in in their singles group and in option ocean in different ways if you're enjoying this podcast Tune in next week to hear more. I'm Christy Bridges, and I teach Christians how to become authors because God speaks to different people through our unique voices. Visit me at OneMomentWiser.com. That's the number one, MomentWiser.com.